Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you're still standing, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number six. And we are going to continue in a uh, little, little lesson that we kind of kicked off last Sunday. And uh, I have to say, I know Brother Rice is going to introduce him later, but it is an honor to have Brother and Sister Bollinger with Amen. us this morning. Amen. Amen. This is a real treat for me. Uh, my first pastor and pastor's wife going all the way back to when I was 13, 14 years old. So this is a, this is a real treat. I've been looking forward to this day for a while. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, beginning verse number four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Verse seven says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And then jumping over to the book of Colossians chapter 3, just reading a couple verses of scripture there. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. The Bible says, and whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it with your whole heart. As unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. Again, teaching, talking to you from this title this morning, all in, all in. God bless you. You may be seated today. <clears throat> Just want to uh, quickly bring you up to speed uh, if you are unable to be with us. Uh, last week, um, one of the one of the centralized thoughts uh, here is is for us to kind of do ourselves a favor um, and examine our spirituality and be honest when we ask ourselves questions like, "Where am I at in my walk with God? Am I still walking with Him?" and it's important that we understand where we are at on this journey because there are a lot of people um, that have lost their joy, lost, we're just saying about the joy of the Lord, there are a lot of that people that have lost that. They have lost their passion in serving God. And we, what we talked about, what we identified last week is, is that sort of thing being very dangerous in our lives, right? To not live a life that is full of, passion, which I believe God wants us to, wants us to have. One quote that we referenced last week was um, this, that life has value only when it has something of value as its object. And so you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, right? Apostle Paul put behind him all that he valued in his, in his heritage and in his past. Why? Why did he do that? He says it for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul was a passionate individual. And so let's remember that Paul's testimony was not 
uh, it was not that he gave up a bunch of awful things, right? We talk about people that come to the Lord and they, they stand up and they testify and they talk about all of the horror, all of the tragedy and all of the mess that they walked away from. That wasn't the Apostle Paul. He describes, uh, rather, all the things in his life of which he is most proud of, of which he still values, and he says it is these good things that he gladly puts behind him. Amen. Paul is saying that Christ surpasses everything of worth to me, everything that is valued. Paul was captured by a greater passion and a higher calling. But just like Paul, uh, there are things in this world that are conspiring to kill your passion and your zeal for God. And, and, and we've watched it happen, I think, too many times. It, it happens all too often. And so as time goes by, there are many that begin to lose their momentum that they once had and, and their steam. And they begin to lose their enthusiasm, and you wonder why. Like, what happens along the way? What trips a person up? Where did the passion go? And that's, that's what we're looking at. And so sort of kind of using this as a checklist as we go through, because we have to remember, God wants us to love him with all of our hearts, right? With, he wants us to be all in. And so last week, we, we kicked it off by talking about, you know, living an unbalanced life and how dangerous that is and how that's one of the things that robs and kills the, the joy and kills the passion and really steals it from us. And so we're going to uh, kind of jump in right where we left off and, and just we're talking about things that are stopping us from being all in, stopping us from having a passionate filled life forgotten. So uh, very quickly, I want to jump into this. Um, and, and just talk about uh, one of the things that, that is capable of doing this is an unused talent. An unused talent is something that will cause you to lose your passion for life and your passion for God. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says this, that each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gifts well. I want you to notice that God gives certain talents, certain abilities, certain personalities, gifts, and those gifts, those talents that you've been given are not just for your benefit, they're for the benefit of other people. My gifts are a benefit to, to you and your gifts are a benefit to me. You are to use those gifts that you have in the service of other people. God has given you a a, a, a special role in this world, and he wants you to make a contribution with your life. I hope you know that and understand that. God says, I've given you this, these gifts and these talents. Use them. And if, it, if you don't use your talents, you know what happens is a lot of people lose enthusiasm. They lose zeal. They lose passion. And I don't believe for one second that God get, has given us special abilities just for us to sit on them and do nothing about it, right? No, no, no. God says, I want you to use your talent. I want you to use your gift. Let me get real specific for you. Um, studies have shown that 70% of all Americans are in a job today that does not use their talents. Staggering statistic. 70%. 
That's tragic. That is, that is, it's sad, really. And, and I, I'm not so sure that that really pleases God because I don't believe that God, God doesn't give us talents and then say, don't use them, just, just, just go make some money, all right? Go, go get rich. There's, there's something more important than money, folks. And that is using what God blessed you with and what God gave you. And I think God is grieved when, we, when, when he looks and he, and he sees people that are in a capacity that's not using their talents. I think he's going like, what do you, what do you think that I gave those to you for? What, what, what do you, what do you, what do you did, was it just to sit on them? No, because if you do that, you're going, you're not going to be all in. You're going to lose your passion. A lot of people, uh, and I'm going to ask for a show of hands because it's, it's a lot of people, but there are a lot of people that are stuck in a job that they hate, that, that's not using the talents that they've been blessed with. And those people, they, they've, they've lost it. They've lost the step. They don't have the, the zest that I'm talking about, the, the passion. Why? Because they aren't using their talents that God gave them. Paul told us in Corinthians, he said, each one should live his life with the gifts that the Lord has given him. God gave you gifts and abilities and talents to use. To use. The reality is you're never going to find a job that uses 100% of your talent. Does that mean you just join the unemployment line and just be like, there's no job out there for me, right? No, that's not at all what it means. You're never going to find a job that uses 100% uh, or, or that fulfills you 100%. Why? Because God never meant for you to find it in a job. God never meant for you to find 100% fulfillment through your place of employment. Your life is more than your job. God wants you to have a ministry. God has called you to something higher than that. That's why you have the gifts that you do, because God has a ministry for you. Each and every one of us are ministers in here this morning. There's a job, and there is no job that could possibly use all the talents that God has given you. And so you need a job, but you also need a ministry that expresses what you're good at, all right? That's why I always say, and again, that everyone has a ministry, because everyone here has gifts. There's something that you possess, something that God blessed you with, and it is not just for yourself. It's for the ministry of other people. But guard yourself against unused talent because it's something that will stop you from going all in. It was something that will kill your passion. Um, another thing that, uh, that will kill it um, is unconfessed sin. And, and, and this, is a, this is a big one. Uh, few, few things rob us of joy rob us of confidence, rob our passion more quickly than, than guilt does. Amen. Here's how it works with us with, with guilt. The sin in our lives, I, I mean, we don't, we don't really walk around thinking, you know, I have sin in my life. I'm a guilty person. No, we rationalize it consciously, don't we? I mean, consciously, here's what, here's what a lot of people think. It's, it's okay because every, everybody else is doing it, and I've seen somebody else do it, so we're good. It's not a big deal. But subconsciously, it gnaws at people. 
subconsciously, whenever it gets quiet, the guilt pops in their mind. And here's the truth for us as human beings. We cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. You just can't do it. You, you can't feel guilt and you can't feel passion at the same time because guilt, by its very definition, robs you of passion. Psalms 38, 4 and 6 says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and I am brought low. Anybody ever had a computer crash before? Those things do that, right? They just do it. Like, I don't even know what it is. It just, just happens. But sometimes they, they crash. They just, they just stop working. And there, there are some programs that tries to, to write the wrong thing to the wrong place, and all of a sudden it's, it's just gone, and there you are the computer shop or buying a new laptop. But guilt, guilt does that to human beings. That's, what, that's how guilt works. We're not made to live with guilt, though. That's, that's not how God, God did not make you to carry the guilt around in your life. He made us to deal with guilt immediately, immediately. But there are some, there are some right now that are in the midst of a personal system crash. That, 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 that truth of the matter is the joy of their life has crashed and they're trying to keep that enthusiasm level up and trying to keep the passion alive, but the guilt just keeps crashing the system. So what do you do? I mean, fortunately, there is a problem that can be remedied quickly. You can do something about it today. Isn't that an amazing thing? Because Jesus has already done all that's needed to be done with our guilt. That's why he came to this earth. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that's his promise, and it's a, it's a great promise. To, to confess, that just means, God, I agree with you. This, this is wrong. What I did is wrong. I agree with you. It is sin. I'm not going to try to explain it away. It is what it is. What I did was wrong. I agree with you, and I want to begin to live the kind of way that you want me to live and that you desire for me to live. Would you free me? from this guilt. And I would encourage you today to do that. Don't wait. Don't sit on it. Sometimes we carry guilt around for weeks and months, and some of us have been carrying around for years. This chair is too loud for me today. You shouldn't carry guilt around for an hour. Not when you have an opportunity like you do this morning. What an amazing opportunity repentance is. Repentance is one of the most beautiful words you could ever hear and ever say, and it's one of the most beautiful things you could ever do. The fact that God in his grace and mercy has allowed us the opportunity to confess and repent and turn. It's an amazing thing. But unconfessed sin will kill your passion. It will kill your ability to be all in. It will always hold you back. Another thing is, is conflict in our life. Or should I say unresolved conflict? You know, 
Conflict is one of those things that, that really drains the passion right out of people. I mean, do you ever just have a day, like you start your day, like this is going to be a great day. You wake up and you know it. Like you fly out of the bed. You barely have to iron your shirt. Like you barely have to do your hair. Like it is just everything is falling into place. People are like, man, that is a pipe dream. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Like everything is just there. You are ready for the day. Shower, breakfast, you're ready. You're on your way to work and somebody cuts you off. Okay. That, you get into, you get into an argument. I mean, a debate with your spouse. You know what I'm talking about? One of those just high volume conversations, you know, that just you're talking through some stuff, but you know, that sort of things happen. I'm telling you, all the zip goes right out of your doodah for the day. There's no more of that going on. There's no more whistling while you work. Is it, you know, conflict. That's what it does. It takes all the passion out of your life. Your attitude all of a sudden just goes flat. Okay? And I know, I know that there are, there are some people that have situations at home or at work and that conflict is just constant. It, it, it's all they know. It's their first language. It's, all, it's just, and sure, you have people, I believe, that are, that are trying to do their very best to minimize conflict, but maybe the other side isn't doing the same thing. And so the question is, is how do we, how, Bryce, how do we remain all in? Like, how do we how do we keep the passion going in a situation like that? And I think it's important for us to realize we cannot always control the other person. You just can't. You can't control the, but you can control the kind of emotions that you have in the midst of the conflict. You can do that. One writer puts it this way. He said, the three emotions that kill our passion in the midst of conflict are resentment, jealousy, and prolonged anger. These next verses that I'm going to share with you, talk about those. Job chapter 5, verse 2 says, resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. Look at those words. Circle them in your Bible. Resentment jealousy. Those are passion-killing emotions. You go on to Job 18 and verse 4. Job says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. The Bible says you're only hurting yourself with your anger. So you and I, we have to make the decision when it comes to resentment, when it comes to jealousy, and when it comes to this, this prolonged anger is we've got to get to the point where we just let it go. Just let it go. Just This is why, folks, forgiveness is so important. God, who knows us, who made us, who created us, knows that we can't carry it. We can't carry resentment. And so he says here, he, he, he says here, here's a way to let it go, even, even logically. Even logically, we know that the resentment that we have in our lives is not hurting the other person that we're resentful against. They don't even know 
that we're resentful. So who's it hurting? It's, it's, it's hurting us. The, the anger, it's, it's hurting us. The resentment is, is hurting us. And so if you want your passion to be restored in your heart, in your life, you have to forgive. You have to let it go. You have to move on. And there might be some here thinking that, the, the, like, Bryce, I, 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 I don't know, Bryce. I can't. You mean I have to? You mean I have to just let it go? Like, I just have to, like, let them off the hook? Like, how can I do that? I'm not telling you to let them off the hook. I'm telling you put them on God's hook. Let them off of your hook, but put them on God's, put it in God's hands and say, God, I can't handle this, but you can. I forgive them, and I leave it, and I just move on. Is this making sense to anybody? I mean, if you don't, then I'm telling you, unforgiveness is going to kill the zeal in your life for the rest of your life. If you do not, um, that resentment that you have for the other party, the other group, whatever it is, that resentment is controlling your passion level. And by that, it's controlling your life. And so nobody wants that to control their life. And so what do we do? You forgive, you let it go. And then that unresolved conflict just, it, it, it goes away in your heart. And you have this ability, this amazing ability to be all in for Jesus again and love him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. You know, something else that, that, that can, can rob us of passion and the ability to be all in is just having no support. It's a big one. Having no support. Sometimes you lose passion for God because you're not spending enough time around the people that are passionate about God themselves. You're not you're not spending time around other Christians. You're not getting any fellowship. And I love this incredibly practical verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. Just common sense from the Bible. You love the Bible that way? Just common sense stuff, right? Two are better than one. Because if one falls, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Hey, I know you know this, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. We need each other. We all fall sometimes. We all stumble at times. And so we all need people to help us up in our lives. Human, being, human beings are made for relationship. We are made for relationship. Made, we're made to live that way in, in, in a prison. Think about a prison. Uh, where, what do they do when, when they want to give somebody the ultimate punishment? Where do they put them? They put them in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. Why? Because we were made to be around other people. We were made to do exactly what we're doing here today and, and fellowshipping with one another and, and, and being a part of the family of God. That's how God created us. That's how God made us. And whether you're married or you're single, you need relationships with other people. And not just any other people, not just anybody. I'm talking about people that are all in. I'm talking about people that are passionate about the things of God and about their walk with God. I'm talking about people who love God with all their hearts. Mind, soul, and strength. 
having, having been in, in this for a little while now, I've seen a lot of people continue with their passion for God and a lot of people lose their passion for God. And it's never a joyous thing. It's always a tragic thing. But you look at it and you sort of start study it and try to dissect it and, and understand what is happening here and why are people walking away or why are people stumbling and why it, it, can they all of a sudden, somebody who was faithful become unfaithful. And usually the first thing that happens is, is a person just, when, when you're looking at it and you're trying to understand it, what happens a lot of times is somebody just stops. One time they just stop. They just stop coming to church. It's just so simple, right? They just stop coming to church. They, they draw back from their relationships with passionate people, being around other believers, being around people that, that know the truth and people that could encourage them. They draw back away from that. And there's a lot of reasons we tell ourselves that that's okay. Like, people will say all sorts of things. Like, I, I've got other things to do and, you know, I'll get back to it soon. You know, I'll get back to it. I'll pick up right where I left off. But whatever the reason is, people start not spending time with other people who have a desire to be passionate for God. And the next thing that always happens is their heart starts to turn cold. And they start to, they start to feel far from God. They start to feel like God is far from them. But what really needs, what people really need is to be around other people who can warm up that love that that person has for God because it's in there. It is in there. We were designed to be around people who would help us to do that. And that's why church is so important. That's why fellowship is so important because iron sharpens iron. You make me better and vice versa. We can be there for one another. And we got to be around people who can warm up the love that you have for God in your life. There's a need in all of us to be around other people that have this passion for God. If you have no inspiring contact with other believers, hear me today, your heart will grow cold because you weren't meant to do this by yourself. You weren't meant to walk this walk all alone. I feel so fortunate and so blessed to have been and still be surrounded by great men and women of God. God has surrounded me with passionate people, and I submit to you today that I am what I am today because of God and the godly relationships that I have built on this journey. Think about your positioning and where God has positioned you and who God has surrounded you. There's a purpose. There's a reason for it, and I'm thankful for those relationships. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together, he says, and let us encourage one another. You're not meant to be alone on this journey. You're meant to be in relationship. Another thing is uh, just things that stop us from being all in is, uh, and I, I say all of these are huge. All of these are vital, and they seem to just grow in importance as we move through the list. But having an unclear purpose, 
having an unclear purpose. When you forget the purpose of your life, that is a sure way to kill this right here. If you don't know the purpose for life, why bother? Why get up in the morning? Why put forth the effort? Why get out of bed? Because again, life without purpose is activity without direction. It's motion without meaning. It's a hamster on a wheel. Just, Just running, running, running. It's hard effort putting, you know, and going nowhere. Life without purpose, it's pointless. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget uh, why we're here. Why, uh, why am I still on this giant spinning ball breathing in oxygen? We get distracted, don't we, by budgets and bills and deadlines and all kinds of other things. And whenever you forget why God put you on earth, it's inevitable you'll begin to drift. You just drift. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. People begin, they get to that state of who cares and does it really matter and, you know, why? And there's really no meaning. And if there's no meaning and there's no purpose, there's no purpose for my life. Isaiah 49, he says, I've, I've labored to no purpose and I've spent my strength in vain and, and for nothing. See, passion and purpose, they go together. They, when, when you have a clear purpose, it's, it's going to give you a lot of passion, but it's got to be God's purposes for your life. If you're only living for yourself, that's a pretty insignificant purpose. That's, that's not going to make you very passionate at the end of the day. Folks, you need a cause that is greater than yourself, that gives life significance, that gives life meaning. And the more you understand God's purposes for your life, the more you live those purposes and the more passionate you're going to be in this world and the more effective you'll be as a follower of Christ. One writer put it this way. He says, passion is waking up in the morning wherever you are bounding out of bed because you know there's something there that you love to do, that you believe in, that God made you for, and you're good at it, something that's bigger than you are, and you could hardly wait to get at it again. It's something you'd rather be doing than anything else, and you wouldn't give it up for money because it means more to you than money. I'm telling you, nothing matters more than knowing and living the purposes that God put on your life while you're here on this earth to fulfill. Nothing else can compensate for not living those things out, not fame, not wealth, not success, not pleasure. Nothing can compensate life without meaning, and God gives us life with meaning. And if we're not living the life that he's called us, we're living below the standard. Because God, he promised, Jesus said, I give you life and life in abundance. There's purpose for your life. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. There's a calling. There's a mission. There's a job. But an unclear purpose. Why did it stop all of that? And then lastly, but certainly not least as our music comes is 
and undernourished spirit will stop us from being all in. Every day, you face all kinds of circumstances that conspire, conspire to to shrink your spirit, to shrivel your heart. You're going to, you're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to have distractions. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have conflicts. And you're going to have changes and challenges. You're going to have problems and and pressures. And you're going to have frustrations, fears, failures, fatigue. All of these things, they fall in on you. To shrivel your heart and to shrink your spirit. So what do we do, Bryce? You must intentionally feed your spirit. Intentionally. If you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to nourish your spirit for you. I can stand up here. Brother Rice can stand up here. We can teach and preach for hours. And you're just getting the milk. Nobody's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we nurse? How do we feed the inner man? How do we do that? We need this. But even outside of here, we need it there too. In your homes, you need times of worship. You need, you, need it, you need times where you're with God every day. You need private worship, private prayer. You've got to develop a strong prayer life. And sadly, most of our culture's idea of prayer is, is that we pray to God to bring our needs to Him. But prayer... Prayer in its original state had nothing to do with problems. It had nothing to do with dilemmas or crisis. Prayer in its infancy had everything to do with connecting with God. Getting alone with Him. Communing with Him. Having a relationship with Him. You and I, we must have a prayer life. We need fellowship with other believers. we got to read God's Word and grow to be more like Him. We've got to have a ministry where we're using our talents to help other people. And you need a mission in this world where you're sharing your faith. And if you just choose one of those purposes and forget the others, you're going to be imbalanced. And you'll lose all that passion. Because you need them all. You need them all. So how do we do it? How, Bryce, how do we how do we plug in the God? How do I have this living, vital, daily relationship with God that keeps my spirit nourished? You go all in. You 
go all in. You live for God with everything that you've got. You live for God with your whole heart and nothing less. Don't hold anything back. And while you're, while you're taking part of your end of the deal, I think it's important that you also remember how God feels about you. We know it, but sometimes we forget it. How easy it is for us to come into a service and sing about it. The love of God, the faithfulness of God, but it'd just be another song, another lyric, another thing that they throw up on the screen and we get through another service. We know it, but a lot of times we forget it. Did you know that God is passionate about you? Did you know that God is hopelessly in love with you? The reason that some people are not passionate about God is because they have forgotten how passionate he is about them. Exodus 31 says, you must worship only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Wow. Did you know that? Did you, did you know that God is passionate about you? God's not going, oh yeah, another one of my creations. Next. That's not what God's doing. No, he's passionate about you, you, you. You. He made you to love you. You were created as an object of his love. And the more you understand how God is passionate about you, the more passionate you're going to get about God. When you forget, though, how much he loves you, and the devil would love nothing more than you forget how much God loves you. When you forget that you are loved by God, all of a sudden you start blowing him off for other things that are going on. <laughs> how can we remind ourselves, Bryce? How can we know? I'm so thankful that it's here. The proof, the proof of his passion, the proof of his love is the cross. Jesus stretched out his hands and they nailed him to the cross. And he was in essence saying, I'd rather die than live without you. That's how passionate I am, he says, about my creation. I made you. I love you. And I'd rather die than live without you. That's how passionate about he is. And you do yourself a giant service to remember that in your walk, in your efforts of pursuing him. Don't forget how much he cares about you. Stand with me this morning, if you will. I think one of the worst sins for a Christian it's not adultery, it's not murder, it's not, it's not lying. God tells us in Revelation 3, it's lukewarmness. No passion. God is, God is just one of the things in my life. One of the things. There are a lot of people that that is God to them. I've got my social life, I've got my career life, my family life, and over here is a little piece of the pie called the church. And God says, I love you this much. I love you passionately. I made you, planned you, 
purposed you, saved you, have a place in heaven for you. And you would treat me with half-heartedness like that? You would look at me with that indifference? Jesus says, I'd rather have you hot or cold. <laughs> Lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. If Jesus is God, and he died, and he loves you that much, you owe him the rest of your life. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It either deserves your entire life or nothing at all. So how are you this morning in your passion for God? Where are you? Are you lukewarm? Are you going through the motions or are you red hot for the Lord because he loves you that much? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? If so, why? Because nobody's holding you back. And the truth is, you're as close to God as you choose to be. We looked at that scripture last week in Romans where Paul was talking about it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choice, right? It's not something that's automatic. You don't get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized. It's something like a switch that just automatically flips and you got passion every day. You're ready to go to church 24-7 not it it's a choice it's a choice and you're as close to God today as you choose to be you could have as much of God as you want you could be as passionate about God as you want and if you're not it's no one's fault but ourselves Would you bow your head with me, close your eyes just in the closing moments of this service as they begin to play and sing. I just invite you to lift up your voice right now and just begin to talk to the Lord. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.